My Mac Podcast 320 with listener in fight, John Blagden, and he's got a feeling. You're listening to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Welcome to My Mac Podcast number 320 with myself, and hopefully on the other end of the line, is Guy. Are you there, Guy? I, I am here. I am here. And that's good. That's, that's, yeah. that's much better than the first one I tried. <laughs> hey! That's what Fonzie says. Hey! hey. hey. It, okay. might not, it, it probably, one of the reasons is uh, I've had a couple of really, really, really busy weeks, as you know. I've been oh, recording yeah. all week. And um, yesterday and today has been really busy, and I've also got a bottle of old speckled hen in my hand, so that's <laughs> which, which is a beer. So that's probably got something to do with why I made a bit of a mess up first time round, which nope. the listeners might hear at some point in the future. Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, this, this is this is definitely going to be uh, a mymac.com podcast that you want to listen to. All the way to the end. That's, yes, I think you will. That's that's um, that's I'm the gonna, only hint I'm going to give you. Yes, absolutely. And in the middle, we've actually got a listener invite as well. Yes, cool. we do. Yes, we do. And we'll bring him in in just a little bit. Um, now, you said you've been you've been really busy. Now, now, tell me, tell me that this has absolutely nothing to do with the Mac Mini. No. <laughs> wow. No, no. The Mac Mini has been relatively stable. Um, <laughs> only, <laughs> That's I, a good I thing. Think, and the only thing is, I think it's got a virus, and I don't mean a, a computer virus. I mean a cold virus because it's sent it over to the MacBook. Oh, no. Um, but to be fair, the MacBook, actually, I've been having a few problems with it for a number of times. In the last couple of updates, it's not installed them. What, so, what, did, it, did it download it? <clears throat> Yeah, it downloaded it okay, but it just wouldn't go through the install process, saying that there was, um, I can't remember what the errors were, just saying that they it was unable to uh, do the install, so I kind of ignored it and thought I'd, I'd go back to it at some point, because sure. the, map, the MacBook is kind of used as, you know, incidental stuff. We kind of go on it, do the stuff, and go off it. It's not something which is on all the well, time. Wasn't that, wasn't that the machine you <laughs> used while you were over in Mechlin? Yes. Sky? Ah, yes. okay, see, yes. that's what happened. Yes. You you made yes. your MacBook very, very angry <laughs> yeah, by, by, by using it for the podcast. <laughs> it probably did. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> anyway, I tried to um, I tried to do an install last night or the night before, um, just to complete, you know, nuke and pave, as people like to yeah. call it. I like to call it a clean install, but uh, anyway... Um, but it wouldn't have it. It wouldn't accept my disc. So initially wow, I thought really? it was a disc. Yeah. So initially I thought it was a disc. So I tried to do a copy of a disc. But then I realized that I hadn't got a, a big enough um, DVD, blank DVD. It was only 4.7 gig and it needed to be six. Um, so then I put it onto, um, I tried to create a copy uh, and put it onto a hard drive. But I hadn't quite done that correct. So I wasn't able to do that. Um, however, I was able to start up on an external hard drive clone, which I've got, because obviously I'd clone right. the machine before I started any of this. And um, I thought I'd try and then install from the disk itself, which w it was able to see. But it wouldn't have it. So I then tried to go back from 10.6 to 10.5 and go to Leopard and try and install Leopard, and it wouldn't have that either. It yeah, spitting. well, usually w w once you have, <laughs> like, the latest operating system on it, 
it typically won't let you go back on it. Well, yeah, but when you're doing a, a bit of a you know clean install and you're, you're wiping yeah. the disc as well, I was expecting yeah, then it to doesn't do it. matter, yeah. Uh, and that's what I got where I've got to. I've basically got to the point where I've actually got a com- completely clean Mac um, hard drive. Um, minus minus even an operating system. Yeah, minus the operating system, it's, <laughs> and, it's, and it and still wouldn't do it. So I'm kind of going through the process at the moment of uh, copying back the um, the copy the. Uh, clone copy that I'd got back onto the internal hard drive, um, and I'm going to start again. I'm just going to sit back, take a deep breath, yeah. and start again. But, have, uh, have a nice yeah. cup of tea. And, and on top of that, on top of that, work's been pretty busy as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no doubt. <laughs> well, do you have any uh, disk utilities other than what comes on the uh, on the um, operating I have got system? Drive Genius. I have got Drive Genius, so I might run that and just check the hard drive. Yeah, because I think you you should be able to boot from that disc too, unless the, there's the a funny, problem with your optical drive. So I got Leopard to actually be you know loading on on the machine, but it it gave me some sort of odd error that it wasn't I wasn't able to load it onto this particular machine that I'd have to check the specs. So anyway, I'm I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm copying the files over from the clone drive, and I'll start again at some point. Man. <laughs> You have sometimes the worst luck with your Macs. I'm surprised yeah. you ever switched from Windows with these kinds of problems. So. <laughs> well, if you go, if you go back, if you remember, I got that stolen iMac as well. <laughs> yeah. At some point, hey. it's like, why, God, do you know, why? Do you know what, guy? what? I look at it. I look at it as an adventure. Oh, I would say it's definitely an adventure. <laughs> Speaking of adventures, uh, yes. we have quite a bit of adventurous. Content. God, that was a stupid segue. Yeah, over, move on. <laughs> yeah, over at mymac.com. So let's go through that real quick. Okay, the first one up is the CoolPod Vetro Bluetooth headset review. Now, I'm not much of a Bluetooth user, and I, I keep thinking about looking at some, so I was, I was quite interested, and I had a quick look through um, the review, and there are it, – it looks like it's quite a good headset, but it's one of two small – downsides to it and it got a rating out of 10 well let's put it this way it was nearer the middle between 1 and 10 rather than near the top so you'll have to go through and and read it yourself to make a decision but it looks like there are some better competitors out there (laughs) who wrote that that was sorry that was by scott wilsey okay uh next up was an article by Susie gilbert adobe photoshop cs5 learn by video review and she really liked it. But, you know, honestly, I learned mostly from actually using the programs as compared to, you know, you know uh, well, I, actually, I guess I have to kind of take that back. A, a lot of, <laughs> of my knowledge on using um, Final Cut Pro, I got off like YouTube. So, okay. So, yeah, YouTube is such a resource, isn't it? Oh, right? unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, well, she really liked this. Excellent. Um, the next review is by Donny Yankelo, and it's of the Adobe Premiere Elements 9. Now, <laughs> Donny actually finishes off saying, overall Premiere Elements 9 was disappointing to me. Um, and I've heard that from a few other people, actually, and it sounds like you have to dig into it and and be patient with the, yeah. the application uh, before you can learn it. So. But if you're an Adobe fan and they make some cracking software, other than Flash, um, 
um, take a look at the review. Um, it gets a, a middling score on that one, but uh, yeah, interesting stuff. I, it's not for me, but um, I'm not really an Adobe person, I've got to admit. Well, I'd like to try it, but uh, and I think they actually have a free trial that you can get directly from. Yeah, they, yeah, Adobe are pretty good at that sort of thing, aren't they? So yeah, because um, I'm looking for an easier to use editor, and I'm you know even with iLife 11, I'm still not really happy with with iMovie. But that's a topic for another day. Uh, next up from John Hamilton Farr, the Adobe Photoshop CS5 review. Two big things. And I have a feeling one of the big things is the price. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's not cheap. Yeah. But he really he, he loved Adobe Photoshop CS5. Yeah, I think you've got to be a I think you've got to be a, a, a Photoshop. User yeah. to get yeah. into that, and you? you know, you've got to be wanting to know the the little nitty grit that uh, that that application could do because it's a big package. But hey, um, the next one on the website is a review from Elisa Pacelli. You say Pacelli, I say Pacelli. Let's call um, the whole thing off. <laughs> we're gonna have to do these as sound bites. <laughs> yeah, just, just throw them right in. <laughs> anyway, she's uh, she's reviewed some newer tech uh, products, um, iPad products there's a case the new guard leather case uh, the ifolio case and uh, the new power charge and sink and what i like actually lisa has um, put a little youtube video clip of the review of the items uh, embedded into the website so definitely oh, really? go take a look yeah superb superb well done and the the last one we have now this is a product i'm very interested in it's the kensington key folio and what this basically is, it, it's a iPad case with a built-in. Oh, sorry, excuse me. With a built-in iPad Air. Yeah, basically, uh, it's got a built-in Bluetooth keyboard. And that, if there's one thing in my mind where the iPad kind of falls down, is entering text. So if you're interested in using the iPad as a little bit more, you know, like a laptop, uh, something. You know the Kensington Key Folio or something like this should be high on your list. About a hundred bucks. That's from Rich yeah. Lefko. You're not. Yeah, actually, you're not the only one that um, taken interest in that. I think I would do as well. Yeah. In I'm, fact, in fact, I'm going to write to Father Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Send me some money. Oh, sorry, that's an old Kink song. Yes, old. Very. Old. <laughs> Good and, stuff. Yep. Now we have we have a listener invite this week. We do, we do, and and he's he's from this side of the pond. Yeah, so it's late for him too. <laughs> <laughs> you think yeah. that's funny? Do you? <laughs> well, only because it's not as late for me. <laughs> um, I I actually had started a conversation with him uh, on LinkedIn uh, about a a different type of problem. Who the problem, of course, completely escapes me right now. Um, but uh, let's go. Let's go ahead and bring him in. John, you there? Yes, I am. Yes. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad, thanks. John, John, good God, John Blagden, Blagden. That's right. Yes, you got it. Woo, on first eventually. try. Eventually, yeah, eventually. It's not exactly Polish. It's uh, <laughs> English. Well, it, it's it's like my calculators, Polish notation. But you know, that's a whole other thing too. Um, now you're a very long time Mac user. Yes, very long time. Uh, I would say professional Mac user, if you if you like. I've been a Mac consultant for well since probably about eighty six. Wow! 
And so you, so you used to be a photographer, and, and that kind of got you started on your path to, uh, to computers, or, or was yes, there something yeah, else very to much. it? Uh, I, I, was a, I trained as a photographer, and I worked for the Ministry of Defense at Farnborough, which is a bit like Area 51, if you think about the American side. And, that um, doesn't exist. It doesn't exist, okay. No. I think a lot of people who live in Farnborough would rather it didn't exist as well. Um, <laughs> that's the town, not the place. Uh, but uh, I sort of left the civil service because I couldn't really stand the civil service attitude. Um, got a job as a technical rep for a um, photographic manufacturer. Now, in those days, 80s, early 80s, um, photography was used a lot in printing, um, much more so than it is now. And I was sort of the technical rep, and um, I suddenly started seeing these little grey boxes appearing on people's desks. Um, and I thought, well, hold on, this is, this is in the light, and it doesn't smell of chemicals all the time, <laughs> and you get to meet young ladies. And I thought, oh, Perfect. I'll that. And, of course, because of my knowledge of the photographic side with the colour, um, you know, uh, what people had done before, I was able to transition a lot of people who had been doing things by hand, you know, the real paste, copy and paste and so on, and, and transition them to the computer side. So I could actually almost, if I learned five things more than they did, I was the expert. And <laughs> it, it, really, it really did work like that. I've, I've got, I think I've got a knack of being able to explain things to people. And it was easy to take people who were absolutely, uh, absolutely totally terrified of that this computer thing was going to take away the skills that they had. And, of course, I could show them that they actually needed to enhance their skills with the computer because the computer was so unforgiving. They well, couldn't use couldn't use a bit of Tipex to get around a problem. So was that like, were, I mean, were they using Photoshop or were there, were there other programs at the time? Photoshop, I don't think, was even in at that time. Um, you know, we really were talking about uh, Word and Excel and um, Ready, Set, Go. Do you remember that? The page oh, sure, sure. Um, Cause I was, cause it's, kind of, it's kind of hard to edit a photo with Excel. Yes. Um, that's probably why they didn't use it. Uh, <laughs> I but, bet someone's tried it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is on nine-inch black and white screens, monochrome yeah. screens. Not, not even grayscale, monochrome. Sure. And... Um, you know, it wasn't even multitasking at that time. You sort of launched one program, and that was it. Well, yeah, uh, well, we, yeah, because we we were talking before the show, and you know, essentially, this was really even before hard drives were were out there. So yeah. everything was being done off of floppy disks. Yeah, very much so. And and um, you know, if you wanted to cut and paste something from one program to another, you had to <laughs> launch the program, copy it shut that program down, launch the next one, and paste it. And then you could go backwards and forwards like that. And you're talking about 30 seconds a minute to launch another program. It was very – well, it was faster than doing it by hand, but it was, it was, it was um, basic, to say the least. Yeah. And then gradually, obviously, things came along. Um, you started seeing the, uh, the typesetters disappear. All the types of who said, "Oh, the Mac will never take over. You, know, yeah. you can't can't do hanging punctuation, and you know doesn't need code that sort of thing." And of course, they lost their jobs because um, they didn't came keep up. That's much cheaper. Yeah. And then gradually, the color people, the repro people, who were very skeptical about the Mac at the start, they started um, finding that their jobs were disappearing as well. Well, what was um, what was the first Mac that you owned? That I owned. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me rephrase that. The first one, the first one that you actually used. Oh, I had a, a dual floppy SE. 
<laughs> which if anybody remembers, it looked like the Mac Plus, but it had two floppy drives. And there's no hard disk, so you launched it with one floppy disk containing the system. And at that time, I think it was, it was just about got into System 6. Yeah. And, and then you used the other floppy to launch the program. In this case, say something like Word 4, and you, you, you basically used that. And you had half a, mega, half a megabyte of RAM, if I remember rightly, in my first computer. Yeah, I think because I remember my first one was a plus, and the most of most RAM you could put in that was uh, I think four four megs, and that cost me like an uh, unbelievable amount of money. Mm. No, no, listen, uh, listen, think, to, listen to the old boys talking. Well, about I, it. I, I, <laughs> hey, I young whipper snapper! <laughs> I remember putting some RAM in a Mac Mac uh, SE once, and it was all very crude soldering then sure. I pulled my hand out and literally ripped most of my fingers to pieces. There's blood all over this customer's computer. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh well, yes. Yeah. My, my brother Larry, uh, used to work for a particular company whose name I won't mention. And he used to maintain some of their old, uh, Mac servers. And he used to tell, he used to tell me some real horror stories about some of their, their early, um, tower, tower server type machines where literally you would leave like half the skin on your hand, just trying to trying to do anything with them. Yeah, very much. I mean, it's a bit like sort of cheap PCs are now. I wonder if, I wonder if that's, I wonder if that's what led to um, Steve Jobs thinking we don't want people going in our machines because they cut themselves up too much. <laughs> Product liability, man. <laughs> so, so, Obviously, you've uh, you've stuck with the Mac all this time through the the eighties yep. and the nineties and the dark periods of like the mid nineties. Uh, yep. Was was there a particular Mac that you liked more than others? And not necessarily mean like as far as speed goes and anything like that, but just like the aesthetics, the, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, I think the if you remember it, the ninety six hundred. Oh sure, that, that tower that, that that just sort of opened. So beautifully. It was just a lovely piece of equipment to use. Did you ever use any of the clones from that time period? Yeah, I, I sold quite a few because um, at certain periods, Apple has made it very difficult for their dealers. Um, the, the, the sort of relationship between Apple's dealers and Apple have, has always been a tad frosty. Yeah, a little um, ad- adversarial, shall we say. Yeah, yes. They, they really haven't liked their dealers much in the past. Um, and at some points in the early um, noughties, I suppose you'd call them. Um, you, you couldn't get equipment for love nor money. You, you, know, you try love as much as you like, but money, <laughs> money was no good either. Um, and it was literally a case of you could wait three or four months for the equipment from Apple wow. for a customer. And in the uh, meantime, they'd have one or two new models come out. Uh, yes, I mean, there was always that. The customer wanted to know what was going on. Uh, you wanted to know where your equipment was, and Apple couldn't tell you because they probably hadn't made it yet. Um, but certainly, I'd, I've got some – I was looking through some old records just to sort of get some ideas about what to talk about and, you know, looking at old quotes and so on. And I've got emails I was sending out in 2003 and 2004 apologizing like hell to customers. and like, <laughs> oh, sorry, nobody's got anything. And wow. it was – I, I, I do remember going to the Apple store when it had just opened in Regent Street and um, buying a load of iPods because my customers couldn't get them. And it was the only place in England you could actually get them. So I went and bought them at a full retail price to get them to my customers. And I, I got a lot of brownie points with that. But that's the sort of thing you have to do occasionally. You yeah. don't have, it's not so bad now, but it's, uh, it has been bad in the past. But uh, there's no, uh, apart from the 9600, there's no real 
machine has really caught my eye. Well, apart, I think, possibly and, the Mac and Pro. It's funny, we were talking before, John, sorry to, to butt in and, and change the subject ever so slightly, but we were talking before and we, you know, said, I'd said that I'd like to start November again. You said, well, I'd like to start the, you know, the noughties again, go back to, you know, 2000. And then I might buy some Apple stock. But that sort of thing that you just mentioned is precisely the reason people obviously weren't thinking that Apple would do very well. Oh, you're probably completely right. Yeah, the dealers amongst them, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, wondering whether you know that whether they should stick with uh, this seemingly ailing company that's uh, that's really struggling. So, well, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> Apple has done some strange things, and in fact, um, I, I know Guy said he couldn't remember the the reason why we first communicated on LinkedIn, but he was actually talking about the um, Xserve and oh, what yeah, yeah, just yeah. done. Um, and I, I don't know whether listeners to the um, the show are sort of completely up to speed, but within a, well, well, about- hold on, hold on. Before before we get into that, I think that is an excellent subject to go into, and will probably take much longer than we have for this particular <laughs> okay. segment. So let's let's take a break. So everyone, please stand by to stand by. <laughs> I'm going to change that, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be right back. Okay, I don't know about you guys, but I'm standing by to stand by. Am I, am I supposed to do something while I'm standing by? Then See, the noise you just heard just got mail on my iPhone. That's because I'm a huge tech fan. I'm a fan of technology, and as such, got a new podcast called, coincidentally enough, Tech Fan. My name is Tim Robertson. I'm the host of the show. We've got David Cohen, another ex-MyMac.com podcast host. So it's just a continuation of what you're hearing here on MyMac. We broaden the scope just a little bit, including not just Apple and the Macintosh and the iOS devices, but, you know, Google, Microsoft, Nokia. If it has to do with technology, we're talking about it. So I hope you give us a chance. It's TechFan. You can find a listing to it at MyMac.com. It's in iTunes, free of charge, not going to cost you a dime, unless you want to send us some money, in which case, uh, make it out to cash, and uh, just email me and I'll get you that info. Hey, it's TechFan, MyMac.com. Peace out. Yeah, that was stupid, wasn't it? Uh, I'm never doing that again. Nope, mail. to cry it's the g-men on the mymac.com podcast and we are back still with john Blag- blagden blagden damn it blagden you, you, you say blah, 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 blagden and i say blagden i don't know why i'm having such a hard time with that uh, just just before we it's these we, weird english names that we have isn't it yeah it's, it's, it's not weird like Searle. You know, nothing weird about <laughs> Searle. 
Um, well, funnily, funnily enough, I get plenty of people spelling it differently, but I, I don't get many people pronouncing it differently. <laughs> well, if you give you give me uh, like uh, enough rope, I'll hang myself on a name almost every time. Uh, just before we left for the break, uh, John brought up something that uh, that I, I I think is going to be a great topic, and that's uh, the that Apple discontinuing the X Serve. Now, is that a product that uh, you've had a lot of experience with, John? Uh, quite a lot, yes. Um, obviously, quite a lot of my customers are specifically graphic designers. Um, a lot of them are into video and so on. And it's used in lots of areas, not just purely as a server, but also for um, SANS and um, other systems as well. And it's, it's, a, it's a good workhorse. And there's obviously been modifications over the years. It's been around about six to seven years. Um, the, the main problem being that they, the Apple have discontinued it and are now saying, well, the server systems will be based on the two desktop models, the Mac Pro, which is the tower, and the Mac Mini. Um, now, to all intents and purposes, it's a slap in the face for the people who want to use um, professional-level equipment because, uh, and professional-level software because uh, the XServe has dual power supplies. Uh, you can hot-swap hard disks on it. Um, it's one U high, which means it's about literally about an inch high, and it slides into a rack system, so you can put lots of them in a rack system. You can't do that with a Mac Pro very easily. I mean, it takes up a huge amount of space, um, and a Mac Mini really hasn't got the, um, the horsepower, the horse, the horsepower to do anything serious. Well, speaking I mean, of horses, <laughs> when some of my customers are quite happy generating you know, a terabyte of information a day, um, and when uh, some people are saying, well, the, the XServe is fine because it's all going to go up into the cloud now. They're not thinking of the professional people, the, the video people, the, the audio people, and the big high-end uh, graphic designers who are generating very large amounts of data, which needs to be backed up, which needs to be secure, and mustn't leave the building because it's commercially sensitive. So up- uploading Ge- a terabyte of information is a problem? To the cloud? <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. <laughs> John, John, do you think the problem, problem would be problem would be a sort of um, uh, yes? I think that's a sort of understatement to a certain extent. Do you think that many people actually bought them though? Have you seen much much out there in the in the wild? Because you know that's yeah. the indication from Apple whether it's actually true or not, or, or you know their their designation of many people buying them and you know our impression of that same statement could be two totally different things but you know have you seen plenty of them oh, uh, yeah. the exos out in the wild i've installed some you know i've installed loads in fact i've got i should have had about seven or eight to change over this year or next year 2011 they're scheduled to be replaced and then there's obviously the odd sale that comes in um sort of two or three times a year so i was probably in the reason going to spy about 10 to 12 next year. And these are sort of planned things where, you know, it's not just the exit. Yeah, planned it's the, updates. It's the raid towers, it's the sands, it's the probably the network as well. Well, what's going to happen? What's going to happen now? We don't know. That's the problem um, because Apple has said basically they're not going to, to, um, do anything with the exit. They're only going to use these desktop machines, um, which to a certain extent says, to someone like me and certainly to people who are trying to plan two or three years ahead for budgets, you know, the professional levels, the, the, the enterprise, if you like, rather than the consumer level. Uh, well, do you, do you think, do you think that, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
you know, wh- where is Apple going? Are they going really moving away from the professional professional arena, where people do very large Photoshop jobs, do very large video jobs with Final Cut Pro, do professional music? Um, where is Apple actually going? Because a lot of this is, um, is when you say server software, it's not necessarily um, what people think of as, oh, they've got an email server and they, it just sort of holds a few documents that everybody can get to. We're talking about powerhouses um, that, that might have, you might have four or five in a rack all looking at the same sand, the same hard disk system. Well, let me ask you something real quick. Uh, You've you've obviously played around with OSN Server quite a bit. What is the major difference between what's required for regular the regular version of OS ten and OS ten Server? Is there any way that Apple could partner up with some of the the makers of Blade servers and release OS ten that way? Well, they they certainly could because obviously you've got the the the, the latest fad which is. Virtualization, you could, you could literally, um, you could put it, technically, there's no reason why it couldn't run on virtually any hardware, um, system. The, the problem is that Apple, and this is the second part of the problem, Apple have said that they're not going to do their own server, uh, apart from the sort of glorified desktop machines, but they have not said anything about virtualization and not, they haven't said anything about allowing somebody else, uh, a good quality company to supply machines which can run OS 10 server and run it so, well. And, and, well, that, that has to be a given. But when you know people are used to being able to put three or four or five, I've seen actually sixty um, exserves in one place all at one time. Um, to, to to actually change that all out for something which is unknown in terms of what software they can run on it is. It's leaving you, the, 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 the professionals in a, in a very difficult position. I, as a professional salesman, can't say to my customers, yes, stick with Apple. You know, we've got three months to buy as many um, excerpts as, as we can. Uh, I mean, three months in the enterprise is, is nothing. I mean, people have budgets sorted out three years ahead. And, and as, if, if you were a um, chief technical officer of a company that was doing important work and that you needed to know where equipment was coming from and so on, are you actually going to think, well, hold on, I'll just wait for Apple to make up their minds. Mm. You're going to have to start planning ahead because this is probably using completely different hardware, possibly using completely different software, and it must be able to work with the infrastructure you've already got. Now, in which case, if it doesn't work out right, you could start looking at the desktops and the software, you know, the, the versions of software that are actually running on the desktops. If, if the server system isn't there, let's say for Final Cut Pro, which runs on OS X server, um, do, does it actually make it easier for them to just, well, well, we'll go to Windows machines because the infrastructure is there right. and we can get, we can get cheap people in. And, and switch, switch, to to like, switch to like either Avid or uh, Adobe Premiere. Yeah. Instead of Final Cut. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if, there's, if this infrastructure is not there from Apple and they're not sending out the right messages about how much they're going to support it, where are we, where are we going? My own um, inkling, my own sort of instinct is thinking they're going to do some sort of um, mixture of uh, um, I, iOS server and OS X server. So it'll be much more towards the um, using... 
the, the iPads and the iPhones and so on for, com- for companies, but probably away from what I would call the professional graphic design companies, which need the horsepower and the ability to handle very large files. But that still, that still kind of leaves them in the lurch as far as, as making their plans for hardware in the future. Absolutely. Because, and, the, of course, the, the other problem is, is, is you know, Apple is so incredibly secretive on what their future plans are that they're just not going to say it until they actually release something, and by then it may be too late. Well, I think it's 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 created a, a real problem at the moment. I think they've lost a lot of um, momentum. Co- moment, well, not momentum so much as uh, uh, thought from the people who make the decisions. Um, a lot of companies, obviously, if they're they're smaller departments of of large companies, will probably have to fight to get money for their Macs and so on. And it's just another uh, nail in the coffin, if you like, of mm-hmm. of, of people who are, have fought for. Max to be in the enterprise, and Apple, to a certain extent, have, have shot themselves in the foot with this because if they'd have come out exactly at the same time as they canned the Xserve, if they'd have then said, "Well, hold on, we've got this sort other of other product. proposal where we can do virtualization on this company's products," they did it with the X um, Raid. I don't know if you remember the X Raid, sure, big hard disk system. When they canned that, they immediately had the uh, another the company coming in. Oh, wait, the, no, 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 no. Sorry, no, go ahead. No, it, it was the, um, I've forgotten the name of the company, but literally it changed overnight. There was the Xserve on the, on the um, uh, uh, Apple Store lists one day, and the next day it's another one. It's a different make. But that's, that's basically just a hard disk. But they, they had that transition there. Now, what they've done here is, is effectively gone to a car manufacturer and said, oh, by the way, we've stopped making petrol engines. <laughs> um, you know, all of a sudden, there's only a short supply. What do we do next? You know, where's all the, the, the stuff coming from? And it's, um, I think they they really have shot themselves in the foot because they they've proved that they can't, to a certain extent, be trusted because they're likely to do things at very short notice and not. Yeah, and the enterprise looks very long term. They're always yeah. planning years and years ahead, aren't they? Yeah. Well, do you think that uh, part of this problem may be their renewed? laser focus on the consumer market um i i personally think it's because they're they're not prepared to do the hard work to get into the enterprise they they want to they've wanted to try i mean this is why they bought the exerve out in the first place they've tried to get into the enterprise and the enterprise wants consistency and it wants um to know that there are spare parts available. If they have an insurmountable problem, they can't sort out with their own staff. They can go to Apple and Apple will help sort it out and so on. And Apple really hasn't got that sort of infrastructure. It's got a good infrastructure, but it's not really there to do the hard grunt work. It's it's not geared toward toward the enterprise. No. And and I think to a certain extent it's because they they can't be bothered. Um, That they, 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 they will not go into the into the enterprise with the level of support that is actually required to, to make a big inroad, which is a pity because, of course, if you actually see um, uh, the Xserve as a server in a normal company, uh, you, you sit down and there's, let's say, three thousand five hundred dollars, um, but that's all the software as well. That's uh, an unlimited user server. So you've got email, you've got file serving you've got all the different bits and pieces you actually go and, that you usually and have to pay separately for 
With well, some, if you go to something, company. something like a Dell PowerEdge or something like that, then you start adding up all the Windows Server uh, CALs, the, the client access license. And if you had 100 people, you could be looking the difference between the next serve might cost you, um, let's say, $3,500. And a Dell with 100 users, which have got Exchange, which is the email, client, uh, email server, obviously, SharePoint and, and so on, coming out well over 20000 I think you've hit the nail on the head there, John. I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. And I've got a feeling that um, Apple have not only said, well, you know, we've not got many sales. Mm, are we that worried about the enterprise? Can we, you know, we'll let people get into the enterprise via another route with our, you know, standard products. And the profit margin on this product just doesn't bring back the return that we need. Because that is one thing that Apple is very, as Guy put it earlier, laser-focused on, and that's their profit margin. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. What I think, um, you know, look, I, I tend to look very broadly at things, and, and one of the things I always try and do is if something is not making money, you, you look at it and you say, well, should we drop it, shouldn't we, or, or whatever. But if it's a loss leader in that it actually brings people into using Macs and probably keeping your existing clientele on board and makes them buy the, inf- the, the, the the workstations and the other bits and pieces which you can sell a lot of. It's not actually losing the company money. It's losing that, that particular model might be losing money, but it's actually creating more sales and more profit from other equipment. Yeah, I... I, uh, I, I, I I tend to agree with you, but I just think that is not in Apple's makeup. So, hey ho! Anyway, I think we need to move on. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do your save now, guy? Oh yes, I do want to do my <laughs> save now. Um, we're we're going to take a little break, everyone. So you know, hold on, and uh, oh, you know what? I, I just have to say it. I just have to stand by to stand by. It's what I do. do and we'll be right back. Maybe get a little finger. Sticky, sticky. You my electrical bomb flavor. I got to do you till the next song says ya. And can I get a little zip, zip? Looky, looky. Maybe just a little uh-uh. Looky, looky. And what you say? Hey, my Mac listeners. Sam Levin here with App Minute. If you want the latest and greatest of app news information about cool things regarding apps, that means anything application-related, software, hardware peripherals, iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, Android, you name it, you got to listen to App Minute. Check out AppMinute.com, one of the many, many cool, cool shows of the MyMac family. All right, thanks a lot from Sam Levin of AppMinute.com. the very edge of respectability and train wrecks. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. And welcome back. I'm so excited. We were talking, John and I. My guy was, I don't know what he was doing during that break. Yeah, I just um, do, I do, uh, I do my edit stuff. I, I, yeah, I, I, I know see. you do. <laughs> I know you do. I'm winding you up, guy. Come on. <laughs> anyway, but, but John and I were talking and it seems that John, actually, I, 
I've got to feel it. I've got to set up a contract with this guy so he can fix all my Macs. Um, but John, <laughs> you did mention very briefly, um, because obviously at the start of the show, I was talking about the fact that I had a few problems with my MacBook, um, a little program called Applejack. Now, how would that help me? Um, well, it's uh, a very simple little program. It's free. Um, you can, uh, I was just about we, to say, you, we all, can, you, can, we, you can go into version We all like free, don't it. we? Oh, free is <laughs> good. Version tracker has gone, so I can't tell you to do that. But if you if you Google for Applejack, you'll you'll probably find a downloader. But it's a very small little program. You just install it. You then restart your computer, uh, and then you hold down the command and the S keys, and you wait until white lettering appears all over your screen. And you quickly take your fingers off, and what it'll do then is present you with uh, a request to type in the word Applejack. And what Applejack does is a series of scripts that will check your hard disk, uh, check your permissions at a very low level, uh, get rid of a load of different caches and so on. Now, if you use it as a regular um, sort of uh, once every two weeks, once every three or four weeks, depending on how, how much you use your Macs, it will keep your Mac in very, very good condition. Uh, but it is also very good at rescuing things as well. So if you're having problems with your Mac, the first thing I would try is something like Applejack. Uh, it's free, as I said. Uh, it's one of the things I install on virtually every computer I sell. Um, cool. The other thing you can quickly do, um, if you're having, if your Mac's just doing some weird things, um, is start up with the shift key held down. It'll take a little bit of time to start up, but your um, password box will come up, uh, even if you don't. If you, even if you sort of normally launch and don't get the password box come up, it'll ask you for your password to install. But above it will be the words safe boot. And what's happening there is the uh, computer is starting up with the absolute minimum of software. So you haven't got any, any uh, ability to go onto airport or anything like that. Um, but it's also doing quite a lot of checks. Again, getting rid of caches, uh, especially font caches, and things that could actually be tripping you up. So it's, it's, you then... As soon as you've logged into your computer, you then restart it again, but don't hold down the shift key this time, and it starts up, possibly take it slightly longer than normal, but you'll probably find it working quite a lot freer, and especially with um, with programs like Suitcase and so on that use a lot of caches. It, it, it just clears a load of stuff. Excellent. Yeah, and that's, and that's free as well. Uh, I just looked that up on Google real quick. That's at yeah. applejack.sourceforge.net. Yeah. You can uh, find that program. That's fine. And then, but, but Applejack, um, you can set it to do certain things. You can ask it to do certain things at the same time. The best thing to do is when Applejack comes up, you just type in Applejack Auto Restart with all in lowercase with the space between auto and restart. And it'll just run through all the tests automatically. So you can just leave it go. In fact, when I, when I go into a, a studio, I'll set one machine going. Go to the next one, set the machine, code, go around about 10 or 15 machines. By the time you got back to the first machine, it's all It's finished. already done, yeah. Yep. Can, can, can I ask, John, what, what's the difference between Applejack and the scripts that Apple runs if you left your, your Mac running um, overnight? Um, well, that's basically just getting rid of a load of logs and um, various other bits and pieces. I mean, the, the, uh, the Applejack obviously clears those as part of the cache system but it's also checking the hard disk it's repairing the permissions um it's getting rid of quite a lot of other bits of cruft that you want to really get rid of the, right. the, it, it depends really how you use your machines a lot of my customers use hundreds of fonts thousands in many cases um they use 
very powerful software like InDesign and Photoshop um, and uh, uh, Final Cut Pro and so on. And the machine does get lots of cache files plastered all over the place. Um, And it's a good idea just to refresh it, if you like. Well, there you go, everybody. You just, you know, you've had a. I, I think that was a. I think that was a freebie, was it, John? <laughs> Applejack, yeah, that's a freebie. No, no, I no, I meant, the advi- no I meant the advice from you. <laughs> I was going to say, can you give me the thirty-five thousand name suggestions? I'll send them an invoice. Well, the, don't, the, the, uh, the listening audience doesn't have to worry about it. Just send me a check for five dollars, <laughs> and I'll make sure that it gets to John. Yeah. <laughs> um. There was that uh, we're recording on Tuesday, November sixteenth, and there was an announcement today. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I'll never forget today. <laughs> I wish I could kind of forget today. It was you know, it was so weird. They came out with this on uh what was it, Sunday night when when they made the, the initial announcement that, you know, Tuesday, November sixteenth would be A day a day you'll never forget. You'll never forget. And I'm thinking, oh man, iOS 4.2 and iTunes in the cloud, and you know, I mean, just uh, maybe that my my long-awaited dream of a of a tower computer that that's got you know iMac power. And what did I get? The Beatles. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the Beatles. You know, they were they were like the one of the hugest groups ever but especially during the time when I was, was just a wee lad. And, you know, I've got like almost all their stuff either on CD or on vinyl. I mean, I've got, I don't know how much this will mean to, uh, to you guys over in the UK, but I've got some of the original Mercury releases here in the States of, of some of the Beatle albums. And, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got all of their stuff in one form or another. And I, I stopped waiting on Apple to, to give me the Beatles a long time ago. So um, what was the big deal about getting them on iTunes now? <laughs> I, I, I think it's getting them first. I think they really wanted to get in there first before anybody else, Guy, to be honest with you. I mean, this, you know, to me, it's almost a lost leader, I suppose, isn't it, for iTunes and, and Apple? They're not really worried, but they, you know, they are now the biggest in the world. And for the biggest in the world not to have uh, the Beatles in the store is something which... Um, you think grated on their nerves a bit? Well, probably. And also, to, the timing's pretty good, because EMI are not exactly in the best of health at the moment. Well, so this, this will probably, probably put some, some pennies in their pockets. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I th- it's all about timing. And if EMI were going to go with anyone first, I'm pretty sure it was always going to be iTunes anyway. So, you know... For me, it it is a day that I'll remember because it means now we don't have to speculate as to whether the Beatles are going to be in iTunes. <laughs> we can stop talking about it. All right, they're in <laughs> iTunes. Shut up already. I, I think too. Uh, I mean, I'm obviously the same sort of age group as as you guys. Um, yeah, let's let's, re- let's I, not go into too many details there. I, I remember <laughs> buying uh, a Beatles record in 1963. It was the first one I'd ever bought, and I saved up all my pocket money. And my mum took me down to the local shop to buy it. Um, Do you remember what it was? I think it was Help. Okay. I think I, I seem to remember it being Help. But uh, my grandmother used to take us to all the Beatles films with Yellow Submarine and Help sure. and uh, Hard Day's Night and so on. And it's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a blur. The sixties when when you sort of only six when you buy your first record. Um, but I, I've got a feeling. Uh, I don't know whether <laughs> uh, I've got a feeling that, that that's um, that's not a play on words, is it? <laughs> <laughs> 
not going to be that I got a feeling, feeling <laughs> I, I, deep inside. I think, I think it might be a big big thing for people of our age group and probably l- uh, younger. But, uh, I mean, I've got twins of 15 and I've got an 18-year-old. And they're into their own types of music. And, of course, because oh, yeah. of the internet, they're hearing lots of different types of music. Not like when you and I were young, when you only heard what was on what was on, on a, in radio. Case, ra- yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Radio 1, and in our case, in the Tuesday, I remember sitting in a playground at school, and um, Tuesday afternoon, or Tuesday lunchtime, was the, the time when the number one was um, announced. And they gave you the, the climb down from 10 to 1. And everybody used to stop and listen to radios. I, I can't really see, there's not that enthusiasm for the music now. But, or it's a different type of enthusiasm. But I, I, I think the Beatles are probably now too late to to get a huge new audience you'll you'll get the people who like the beatles and have heard of the beatles and buy it but they won't go and really yeah and download the whole thing yeah absolutely i think it's if it had come out when itunes came out no problem i think now it's been going on for so long it's meh as the americans say i think (laughs) (laughs) i don't know how to spell it but it's m-e-h yes m-e-h meh meh Yes. Now, uh, one thing that I did see on iTunes, and um, they, they've got some some extras that you can get. Uh, one of them is this kind of cool montage. I think it's called you know, like Beatles Through the Ages or something like that. And it, it, and it kind of goes through everything that that they've put out with, and they've got like some pictures and videos from from some of the various times. It was really kind of cool to watch. And one of the other things they have is their first or one of their first concerts here in the U.S., which was at, in here, you know, near where I live in Washington, D.C. And, you know, some of this stuff from a historical perspective, especially if you like the Beatles, might be interesting. But in order to get everything, one hundred and forty nine dollars. A lot of money. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of two-minute music pieces, isn't it? I, I, I mean, I think what's what a lot of people are, are probably missing is the fact that you can actually buy individual Beatles tracks, and that's the thing as well. You think that people was part of the that. sticking point? Oh, I think so, yeah. I think so. I Definitely, definitely. Um, and the fact that you can now buy individual tracks, I, I think... I think actually are going to sell a lot more than people are expecting because a lot of people that are talking and raving and going on and on about it, um, about the Beatles, are people exactly of your and my age that know the Beatles and say, well, you know, you've got to eat the, everybody's got the Beatles already. Well, actually, not everybody does have all of the Beatles and not everybody has those Beatle tracks that they'd really like and they hear on the radio, but they don't want to buy the album. They can't be bothered to buy the album. Yeah, they they, they just want the tracks that they like. They just want the tracks. And, um, you know, my girls, they, they may well end up with some Beatle tracks in their, um, in their, in their iTunes library because they'll see it on the front page and they'll, they might take a quick listen and they know the Beatles, they know of the Beatles and they may just take a look through. So I don't think, I, I think there'll be quite a few sales out there, but I think it'll be a different sort of, of sale for Beatles uh, tracks than it, it used to be. So, but hey, it's there now. We don't have to go on about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was, was, was there another topic we were going to talk about? Oh, yes. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> 
Oh yes, John actually mentioned uh, about the suitability of um, uh, the iMac for professional work and how to waste a lot of money on things oh. like colour calibration. And I liked this because I've been thinking about wasting a lot of money on this, so I am very <laughs> interested. <laughs> right, so um, yeah. The, the basic thing is I've seen a lot of people waste a lot of money on color calibration. Um, when you're uh, trying to get the best result out of a print and you're going to do effectively choose your colors because of what the print it should be, um, you can obviously um, calibrate your printer and you can calibrate your computers to, to work well with it. Um, you're then completely wasting your money if you can't actually look at that print in the correct light and correct light changes uh, as a photographer you find this out very very quickly especially yeah. if you come from film background as i do um you, you take into account that you've got to use certain filters during the day or if you're using uh, if you're working in a dark room that you've got to uh, anticipate what the color balance of the, the the light was when the photograph was taken your eyes adjust if you go into a room with um let's say a dark room uh, as they used to be with amber or red lighting after a while a piece of paper that originally looked red or amber turns white because your eyes are adjusting you go into a room lit by electric electric bulbs and it's amber very very sort of orangey and i'm sure people who've used film will know this um if fluorescent tubes are green and so on but daylight changes as well it's blue in the morning and red in the evening so uh, what what's the what's what are some of the steps that they that, need to well, take well you, you really can only do color correction when you can actually have a consistent light source and you can buy bulbs and fluorescent tubes which are um color corrected they're not just till daylight or, or whatever they, they are actually color corrected because one of the problems is if you if you print onto a piece of uh, paper using inks from an inkjet printer uh, you will get probably very accurate colors but if you're using a flu ordinary fluorescent tubes the fluorescent light the 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 frequencies which are are being used will actually make certain dyes within the colors fluoresce at different levels so you actually get false color so unless you are prepared to go the full a, a viewing booth or um, uh, sort of turn off all the lights in the uh, close all the windows, put blinds on the windows, and have fluorescent lights that are color corrected, have white walls or even a thing, special thing called Munsell grey, which is a, a very standard grey color painted on the walls, you you are wasting your money. And the same to a certain extent goes for. Um, as calibrating your screens as well. You can get it quite close, but unless you're prepared to go that last step of the way and sort of have things so that you are, if you're checking colour, the light is consistent. It is actual daylight light, which is, you know, it's been stamped on it. This is the correct daylight to be looking at. And it's consistent whether you're working at three o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the evening or at midday, the light is consistent. And if you leave the windows light coming in through the windows, your light is going to change. Now, isn't there, isn't there like a USB device that will look at the ambient light in the area for a color-corrected screen and, and change it accordingly? Yes, I think there is one, uh, and it changes every five minutes. But if you think about how light can change in five minutes with clouds going across the sun sure, and so on, it's not going to make that much difference. And don't forget, obviously, you're also looking at transmitted rgb light it's actually light coming straight at you from the screen whereas on a print you're looking at reflected light and it's uh cmyk 
So, yes, you can get screens looking quite a lot better. You can get different makes of screens looking a lot closer to each other. But it's certainly, in my opinion, unless you're prepared to go the full whack, you're not going to get the full benefit out of it. And you can spend an awful lot of money. You can, you can pay specialists to come and calibrate your screens. And, yes, they'll look better. But whether you'll actually get any, any huge benefit out of it, I don't know. Um, we were talking before, and I'll be very quick with this, but... Um, this was very apparent in a place I went into, which um, was doing quite a lot of, um, for want of a better word, uh, flesh tones um, on, on white sheets. And they wanted to make sure that all their screens were showing the same color. And they had glossy screen Dimax, they had matte screen Dimax. Oh, an old, goodness sakes. You know, every mixture you could think of. Um, no backup. Um, and <laughs> they were, you know, there was a huge, great, picture window by the side of them and i said well you know you, you can't really get everything looking the same until you get the light that you're looking at the work in the same as well and then they showed me the paper they were using because this was um what we in britain call top shelf magazines um the paper was fairly um good quality crap 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 <laughs> really Yes, it was almost green. Yeah. Yeah, yes, um, top, so, top shelf magazines, Guy, are the stuff that you wouldn't want your kids reading on a regular basis. Ah, okay, these, I misunderstood these, that term yes. very, very much. <laughs> my top shelf, they're out of the reach of children. So, <laughs> okay, can, um, I, can I get a subscription to some of them? Oh, never mind. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> you wouldn't want a subscription to these ones. These, these, these are the, sort of, uh, the ones that aren't usually available in, in even sort of corner shops. Um, but the, it, the point was, they, were, they thought somebody would come along and wave a magic wand of calibration. And then they showed me what their calibration printer was. They took me upstairs to the sales office and showed me the color laser printer. And I said, you're actually going to do your color calibration based on what you get out of a color laser printer. And they said, yes. And I said, um, don't waste your time, basically. Because um, they're just not that accurate. Mm. It's, it's just that they thought they would spend some money. You know, I, I have been thinking a lot about this, and I, I'm so glad you came on the show. <laughs> now you don't have to. You can spend that money on something else. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can now, send you something that will actually help you. you know, some, yes, some tubes, or some 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 decent quality curtains, that sort of thing. <laughs> now, I, I've seen a, a little mention here, John, about some some backup disasters and why you refer to some designers graphic designers as well the word here says pond life yes <laughs> yes um i have to say that some graphic designers can be very focused uh and they know how to do their job um and i met similar people when i was working at farmer you got people with long strings of letter after their name but i wouldn't trust them to tie their shoelaces um <laughs> I'm sure you meet people like that all the time. You know, geeks basically. They 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 know their stuff, but you take them out of their little niche, and they're they're fairly useless human beings. And um, there are backup disasters. Um, there was one classic one where they we, we were back in the days of using tape backups. Um, they turned the screen of the server off. Uh, because in those days it was CRTG, we would burn in, and one guy's job every morning was to go in and poke the tape back into the machine because it had spat it out. What they weren't watching or not seeing was the, this tape is full, please replace, for <laughs> six months. Oh, my God. Good yeah. grief. So all of a sudden, the 
a natural disaster, you know, the thing goes wrong. Uh, okay, fine, let's get it all off, back off, off the tape. Uh, no. So that was, these are graphic design companies who are doing work which has got deadlines. Um, you know, it, it's, uh, there, are, there are a few disasters I can think of, and sometimes graphic designers can be their own worst enemies. But <laughs> oh, I like dear. graphic designers. Where yes, we really, yes, yes. You like the my nice s- ones. My sister's a graphic designer. You know, so. <laughs> but would you let her date one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, he's an architect. Is that the same thing? Yeah, come see, come see. <laughs> I think we need to move on to some app picks, don't you? Go yep. Uh, let's, let, let, let's let John go first. Uh, John, you got an app to recommend tonight? Well, it's not exactly an app. It's a, more of a, a sort of service. But uh, when you asked me to come on, I, I sort of thought to myself, "What? What is the, the the ideal thing to use? It's 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 something which you use day in day out, and if you possibly without thinking, and if somebody took it away, you'd notice it very very quickly. And obviously, <laughs> people have got apps and utilities and things that they use all the time. And my particular one is uh, one called uh, ClearMyMail.com. Now, my email address has been around for getting on for twenty years. Yeah, same. Here. Um, yeah, it's, it's been around. So it's 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 uh, tracks its fair share of spam, shall we say? Um, you know, one hundred and fifty a day is not unusual. Um, now, what Clear My Mail does compared to all the other types of filter software that you can get to to stop spam is it actually stops it coming down to your computer because even with things very good software like SpamSiv or the um, filters that are in Mail or in Entourage, the, the, the email still has to come down to your computer before it filters it. So what Clear My Mail does with just a few adjustments to your account software uh, in, in, in the email client that you're using, it will actually stop the emails coming down to your computer. They'll just send you the clear, the, the ones that you approve. And the great thing is what happens is you, you get a uh, an email from there and every time somebody new sends you an email. So let's say, Guy, you sent me an email and I don't know you, you're not on my approved list. I will get an email from Clear My Mail. This person has sent you an email. Do you want to allow it, allow it once, block it once, or block it all, or block all, all for all time? And you can actually have a look at the email before you make that decision. And the other thing you can do is you can either block just an individual like yourself. Let's say you've got um, Joseph Stalin at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, I don't want to talk uh, to him. You can block him. But then if you've got a, um, Trotsky. A, an email from, no, for say, Joe at cuddlydictators.com, <laughs> uh, you can actually block the whole of cuddlydictators.com. Because obviously Gmail, you don't want to block. Yeah. But you might want to block cuddly dictators. Um, but they're so cuddly. <laughs> I, I obviously can't go into everything it does, but it, yeah. it's got some very nice touches, and it's very good value for money. Uh, they've actually got a, a thing on their site uh, at clearmymail.com. If you if you look at the sort of um, have a look at what we do, sort of thing, it, it, where you can actually work out how much the um, spam email is costing you in terms of going through it. So if you get say fifty emails a day, which are spam, and it takes you about an average of six seconds. To yeah, go determine, each one. yeah, determine yeah, determine whether it's actually it spam yeah, or not. Absolutely, um, and you charge your time out. And I've obviously been in business for, for so long. I know I've got to make so much per hour to make it worthwhile me doing something. So I put that amount in, 
and it comes out that it actually costs me £1,200 a year to deal with spam. Mm. And, you know, it, with the best will in the world, the spam sieves and the, 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 the filters that are on the um, email clients always get false positives and false negatives. You'll always get emails coming through which you don't want, and you'll always catch the ones that, sh- that are good. And I found Clear My Mail to be absolutely excellent at, at stopping that sort of thing happening. And it's a very reasonable price. It's $24.95 for a year. There's a 30-day trial period, and it's, it's certainly not like, you know, they've got your credit card number, they're going to take the money anyway. You, you can uh, stay in with it or not. It's completely non-obligatory. You can actually go pay as you, mo- pay as you go on a month. It's $3.45. In, in English money, in real money, that's £15.68. <laughs> £15. Hey, £15.68. Oh, just for a few accidents, you wouldn't have won the War of Independence. <laughs> you were dead lucky, you were. So yeah, if, they, if, they, if they had had, like, the ships and the planes you guys had for the Falklands, it never would have happened. <laughs> right. £15.68 in, in UK money and £2.17 a month. Um, it's, as I say, That's it's like w- almost w- nothing. Yeah, www.clearmymail.com. Um, I, I can't really say anything bad about it. It, it. If anything gets blocked, you've got 25 days before it gets it disappears. Um, they've got lots of other little touches for people who are sending out large amounts of email and that sort of thing, and I can't recommend it highly enough. Okay, what about you, Kaz? Uh, yeah, well, I, I was struggling a little bit uh, at the start because, uh, yeah, as normal, I'd completely forgotten that we have an app pick. Uh, guys <laughs> forced it upon me. Yeah, um, but I'm uh, going, I'm going for a I'm going for a little bit of a generic one because it is something which I'm using on a semi-regular basis and that is uh, a couple of, um, well it's an iPad and an iPhone app Um, and there's also one which is just an iPhone app and they're both um, from the same uh, genre, shall I say, and that is an application called Flickster and an application called OneTap Movies. Now, the one tap movies probably gets you on the right track when you think about the name of the first app, which is called Flickster. Basically, they're two apps. Um, the second one is only available on the iPhone. The first one is available for the iPhone and the iPad. Um, the Flickster app comes from a, a developer called Jeffrey Grussman. And the second one is from a company called Avantar, but they're both free. And they will... Uh, you're able to set up your local cinema or cinemas near you, and you can go on there and check out what you know what what's on at your local cinema, what movies uh, are up and coming. Um, they also give you some reviews. Um, I think um, that uh, Flixster uses uh, the Rotten Tomatoes uh, review process, um, <laughs> and there's all sorts of different um, ways that you can use the apps to you know um see what's coming up and um check it by name check it by film title check it by uh cinema it's they're both both decent little apps and uh highly recommended okay well we're going to go from a spam filter which very very useful to two applications that will allow you to to check what movies are playing into your in your area to something a little more shall we say lowbrow the app that i am picking for this week uh if you've ever played flight control or harbor master on either the iphone or the ipad uh you know, <laughs> if, if you like those kinds of apps this I'm one, laughing because I know what the app is. 
<laughs> this one is very, very similar with a, you know, it, but instead of landing planes and steering ships around, you're helping people go to the bathroom. It's called Potty Panic by Citizen Kane. <laughs> and, I was just about to say, is, is it I Foghorn? But of course, it's going to be very similar to that, isn't it? <laughs> I, I don't know that one. <laughs> I just made it up. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, let me write that one down. We'll make one called that. Uh, basically, you've got three or four laboratories, and you steer people to ones that they need to use. Uh, they only have two maps currently. Did, did you say laboratories? Then? Yes, I did say. So. I'm trying. I'm trying to bring the the level up just a little bit. It's kind of hard with well, an you app took like it this. down by saying that. Laboratory. What did I say? Laboratory. It might, it might have worked with a French accent, but then again, yeah. maybe three. Well, my, my French accent is even worse than my English accent, so let's not even go there. Um, there's usually one <laughs> lavatory that is nice. uh, only for people in wheelchairs, and then uh, on one of the other maps, they're dedicated to either either men or women, and if you know the the whole time that the that they're being used there's all kinds of rude sounds happening it's a very juvenile app so therefore i love it to death i was just about <laughs> to say who the hell thinks these things are? i don't know <laughs> uh in this case the developer is citizen kane and for all of this bathroom goodness it will only set you back 99 cents cool <laughs> yeah oh boy john if yes. people wanted to get a hold of you how would they do so um, well, because most of our business comes from word of mouth, um, if they want to get hold of me, they can email me. And my email address is um, bl at gden.co.uk. Uh, and the clever ones amongst you will notice that, that actually looks like my name if you're drunk or put a script. <laughs> and I guess they could, they could also follow you or contact you via LinkedIn. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so remember the name, John Blagden, and that's spelt with an E, so it's B-L-A-G-D-E-N. What about you, Gaz? Um, you can contact me at gaz at mymac.com. Uh, you can follow me at twitter.com forward slash gazmaz. Uh, you can contact either of us on 703-436-9501. Wait a second. Was that number 703-436-9501? <laughs> yeah, 703-436-9501. Yep. Did, did you get that, John? <laughs> What? <laughs> 703 436 9501. Yes. Guy, where? <laughs> I have it tattooed on my chest tomorrow. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't yeah. go. I'll, I'll have it tattooed on something. Okay. Yeah, all right. All right. Guy, where can you be contacted? I Gosh, can be contacted <laughs> at guy at mymac.com and also at twitter.com forward slash MacParrot. <laughs> And we are currently at over, oh my God, one hour and 10 minutes, but this has been, this has been a great show. John, we'd love to have you on again sometime. Oh, I'd love to come back. It's been great. <laughs> That's I, well, I'm, I'm glad you're willing to put up with us again. <laughs> well, and, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. H hand to God. Yeah. Yeah. Me. I think uh, that's going to wrap it up for the night. Thank you all so very much for downloading the podcast. Please leave comments in iTunes. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, obviously, at uh, iTunes. Just do a search for MyMac and leave comments. We love comments. We really do. And, re and remember, 
listen to the very end. That's right. There's some there's some special things happening very very soon. So thanks again for listening, guys, and uh, thanks again for being on, John and Gaz. We'll see. I'll see you next week, Gaz. You will. I will. And uh, I hopefully we'll get John on again sometime very very soon. So thank you all again one last time. I know I've said that about six times already. Thank you. And yeah, thank you. Thank, oh, thank you. Thank you. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to feedback at MyMac.com or call our Skype number and leave a message. The phone number is 703-436-9501. If you enjoyed the MyMac.com podcast, make sure you check out the other family of podcasts all from MyMac.com and all free on iTunes, including The Geekiest Show Ever, App Minute with Sam Levin, and Tech Fan with Tim Robertson. And welcome to Podcast 320A. Oh, why did I do that? <laughs> because that's what I had written on oh, the show God, notes. I do that every time. <laughs> Just keep going, man. I'm, I'm fine with it. <laughs> this is, the, well, hey, it's better than the time you said it was it was uh, 114. <laughs> Somehow we lost 200 do, do you know, shows. Do you know what I said? I've had, t- uh, you know, two weeks where it's been really busy, and today and yesterday was really busy. Well, there you go. There's the proof. <laughs> you said 328. It was 328, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, the, the reason why it said 320A... <laughs> Was because that's a disaster. Yeah, I, I had a couple. I had a couple of different <laughs> versions of the show notes. All right, and so just to differentiate between oh, the two, I said, "Do you want? Do you want to start again, or you want to just keep going?" Yeah, I want to start again. Okay, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. All right, I am recording. So, anytime you want to start. <clears throat> Um, right, so, yeah. Oh, actually, I guess I start, don't I? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, okay, well, so we're off to a grand start. <laughs> okay, are, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Hey, Geek Gab listeners. Geek Gab. <laughs> I start again. Take whatever. Hey, Geek Gab listeners. I did it again. Oh, I did say it right. No, you said it right that time. Oh, figures. All right. Well, take whatever. Three. Hey, Geek Gab listeners, it's Guy. And Gaz, the G-Men from the MyMac.com podcast. And we just wanted to say congratulations to the second best Mac podcast out there. Second best? Why second best? Well, they have no Gs. Guy, Gaz, the G-Men, obviously having more Gs means we're better. But they're the Mac Geek Gab. That's two G's right there. Wow. Way to be a major buzzkill, Gaz. Guy, seriously, seek help. Seek help? I don't need to. It's right there in the OS X menu bar. <sighs> okay. Bollocks. <laughs> all right. It's all right. Start again. <laughs> <sighs> all kidding aside, Dave and John... Oh, is that John and Dave? 300 podcasts is a major milestone, and the MyMac crew wishes you all the success in the world. Keep it up. And and don't don't get get caught. caught. Don't get caught. Don't get caught. There once was an old man of Esser whose knowledge grew lesser and lesser. It at last grew so small, 
he knew nothing at all. And now he's a college professor. <laughs> <laughs>